suggests its firepower is already depleted. Meanwhile, the assault on Ukraine is continuing to push oil prices higher, hitting Americans now. The recent spike in oil to above $100 a barrel has already translated to the pumps. According to AAA, the average price for a regular gallon of gas is $3.66. That's up 12 cents from a week ago. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger, at least we're not the moon. The moon is about to get slammed by a big piece of space junk, what's thought to be the leftover rocket from a Chinese launch in 2014, is traveling at nearly 6,000 miles per hour. It's expected to hit the far side of the moon Friday. CBS's Jim Crisula reporting from Earth. This is CBS News. There's always something new under the sun. CBS Mornings, weekdays on CBS. Exergen would like you to know about an important study just released by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has known all along. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate. The study also reports that they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy in labeling. We can't afford to tolerate the rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure, be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. Gentlemen, now you can find the best brands and fits for you without even trying. Just follow these easy instructions. Step one, shop a personalized store that does all the work for you by customizing a selection for your taste and body. Step two, level up your closet with the best brands and fits with little to no effort. Not trying has never looked so good. Introducing Stitch Fix Freestyle, your personalized store. We're so you. Millions of TikTok followers have been following the progress of a British father trying to reach his wife and child in Ukraine. So I'm here at Manchester Airport, heading to the gate. With Russian forces on the move, Ian Omni quit his job as a teacher and began the desperate journey to reach his wife and two-year-old son in eastern Ukraine. So I made it successfully into Ukraine last night. Traveling by plane, train, and car until... Guys, I made it. His family in Britain didn't want him to go, but... For me, as a husband and a father, it was out of love and uh, anger, really, that drove me to come here. Adding... Love is not going to be separated by war. And finally, the International Paralympic Committee is meeting today to decide whether to allow Russian athletes to compete at the Winter Paralympic Games after it was confirmed that Ukraine's 20-strong delegation will be coming to China following uncertainty over their presence. A decision on Russian involvement will happen today. I'm Vicki Barker, CBS News. Exergen would like you to know about an important study just released by the FDA. It confirms what the medical community has known all along. Non-contact thermometers are not accurate. The study also reports that they fail to meet FDA requirements for accuracy in labeling. We can't afford to tolerate the rampant false temperature readings from non-contact thermometers. Accurate temperature measurements are essential. You need Exergen thermometers because they are accurate and backed by over 100 clinical studies. Be sure, be accurate with Exergen. Learn more at exergen.com. On our first date, we had masks on and kept six feet apart. Now, we're a lot closer. Just like Cliff and Deb, thousands of singles over 50 found their perfect match on Silver Singles last year. I feel like I'm 20 years old again, and I'm pretty sure she feels the same way. Rediscover the magic of dating with Silver Singles, the exclusive community for singles over 50. Sign up today and receive daily matches you won't want to miss at silversingles.com radio. silversingles.com radio. 
You know, there may be a lot of fish in the sea, but there's only one filet fish That classic flaky wild-caught fish swimming with creamy tartar sauce and melty American cheese. All served on a soft steamed bun. Yep, there's definitely only one of those. Now at McDonald's, for a limited time, get two filet fish sandwiches for just $6. And for even better deals, download the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. We've all got our daydreams, right? Little things, big things, things you know one day you'll do. Then out of nowhere, cancer. And all your plans don't change a bit. I would know. I'm about to jump out of an airplane with my dad. Our first time skydiving solo. And my second year since starting cancer treatment at Ohio Health. All right, Dad, let's go. You keep making plans. Visit ohiohealth.com slash keep making plans. Your sports leaders in Athens County, 970 WATH and WXTQ Power 105, the flagship station of your Ohio Bobcats and the home of the Athens County Game of the Week. And on 970 WATH, tune in for the Ohio State Buckeyes, Cincinnati Reds, Columbus Blue Jackets, Cincinnati Bengals, and all season long, Athens Bulldog football, basketball, and baseball. Monday through Friday, tune in to the sports fans starting at 6.06 and stay up to date with local sports. Follow us on Twitter at WATHWXT. Sports. Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 10.30 a.m. until 10 o'clock p.m. Head on over to Larry's Doghouse over on West Union Street in Athens. Fairhope celebrates life. If you're facing an end-of-life situation, Fairhope Hospice and Palliative Care. It is never too soon to call. Fairhope is here to listen. You don't have to face it alone. Fairhope cares for your loved one where they live. Or, during times of stress, the Pickering House is a serene setting providing relief for the patient. To learn more about Fairhope's care from the heart, please call 1-800-994-7077. Their whole hospice, we celebrate life. Hi, I'm Kim. And this is Ruth. Please join us every Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. It's the Kim and Ruth Show. Well, it's really not, it's the, not the Kim and Ruth Show. show. It's really... <laughs> Tune in to Make It Happen with Kim and Ruth every Wednesday morning at 10.06. And we'll spend time talking about health and wellness topics and all aspects of healthy living. But we know that you're the real expert in your health, so let us help you make it happen. Wednesday morning on 970 WATH to make it happen. I-N-E-P-T. Tech. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. Well, Coach Turf, the regular season is over, and here we are at midweek. This is the time when we generally go back into inept tech football history, and I, I know you sort of want to forget about last week's heartbreaking Heartbreaking. Loss. It was heartbreaking. Uh, you know, in fact, you know what I'd done? I, I went back and looked up the records from all the other schools around the country, and I couldn't come up with a loss that was as heartbreaking as this one. This was a heartbreaker. One of the toughest losses in recent history. And heartbreaking. Spe- speaking of history, on this program every week, we go back into inept uh, football history for some terminology that uh, has become standardized throughout the years. Well, that's right. You know, this is my favorite part of the week. This is where we can let the fans in on all the legends and the lore, what inept tech has given to the history of football down through the years, some phrases, some terminology, some words, what uh, fans use over and over that started right here. We talked about uh, offensive football in your last game with 
Bungle State, and I think you have some offensive terminology you want to discuss. Well, that's right. You know, we did use our ball control offense in the last ball game. Reminded me about all the offensive terms, what we started right here at NF Tech. Like, for example, you probably heard of, of what you call your flex defense. It was invented by that boy what uh, coached over to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Coach uh, that, Landry. That's him, yep. He invented that. But we invented what you call your flex offense you know that's when you get your offensive tackles and your offensive guards to just before the ball gets hiked they just jump back a step or two into the offensive backfield almost so they can prepare to block against them defensive boys for a running play i understand the theory coach but isn't that illegal wouldn't that be a penalty no wonder that didn't work and i'll be back with coach turf right after we pause for this message and the art turf show is proudly sponsored by fasting. What about slowing? Well, you could do that too, I suppose. Coach Turf, you were obviously way ahead of your time in developing the flex offense, but one offense that has stood the test of time the two-minute offense, and I understand that developed right here at NF Tech. Well, that's right. Started up right here. You know, most folks is under the mistaken identity that it was started by that feller that uh, used to play quarterback for Baltimore Colts. Uh, Johnny uh, Unitas. That's him. That's the boy what used to play. They think he probably started, but no, it started up right here at NF Tech back in 1955. Went back to that ball game we played that year against my brother Nat Turf's team over to Bungle State. You know, he had a real fine ball club that year. Had a lot of real fine running backs. Had a lot of ball control type uh, ball players on his team that year. And it turned out when we played that we didn't have the ball too much when we played that ball game. And, and uh, after the ball game was over, uh, Nat come over to me over to the sidelines. He says, Coach, you know, what I was doing over there on the sidelines is I was cooking my eggs and timing them by the amount of time that your offense had the ball. And that's where the term two-minute offense come from. Well, Coach, why was he cooking eggs on the sideline? Well, I don't know, but with our offense that year, it was a cinch. He wasn't going to come up with no hard-boiled eggs. Be listening again, sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Well, the annual State of the Union address has come and gone. We'll certainly chat about that a bit today. OU took it, uh, had a loss last night, basketball, men's basketball. And so did Ohio State. Not a really good day at the moment. Can you think of anything else to add to that uh, list? Well, uh, glad it's behind us. How about that? We'll look forward to uh, the Bobcats winning Friday night. Yeah. 
at uh, Northern Illinois. And uh, hopefully the Buckeyes can rebound too. Both of those games I had as very winnable games, uh, especially the Bobcats. My goodness, Bowling Green is 6-13 and 13 in the MAC. Bobcats are now 14-5. and five. I mean, it just goes to show you anything can happen on any given night that uh, the better team doesn't always win, and that certainly was the case last night uh, with the Bobcats. But, uh, you know, they didn't shoot that well either. Bowling Green shot 50%. I do believe, and that is uh, lighting it up, as they say. I think the Bobcats shot about 32 33% maybe for the game, which means they made a third of their shots, while Bowling Green made half of their shots. So uh, you know, not I've a good been... night. Jason Carter was ejected after getting two technical fouls. Really? Yeah, you just don't see that or hear about that very much. So something – set him off there and uh, he decided to lash out maybe a little frustration from Friday night mm-hmm. this past Friday night I don't know could be because you know two weeks in a row they lost on national TV which they could have really taken some strides there uh, would have you know that always helps recruiting too when uh, guys see you playing well on national TV they want to check it out but instead you know, they look towards Kent State. They look towards Akron. Now, those are two of the hottest teams in the MAC right now, by the way, Kent State and Akron. They've won like so each that, of them that, 10 that, in a row, I this, think. Let's change the direction here a little bit. Um, I've been here a long time. Maybe some would say too long. <laughs> but, um, you know, I remember watching John Bulls. Jeff. Jeff Bowles. Excuse me. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Jeff Bowles as a player. Same for, here. For Ohio. Um, he's had coaching experiences up at Ohio State and where else? Akron. Yeah. And he was also the head coach at Stony Brook before he came here to Ohio as the head coach. I think it was Stony Brook. I've watched him... Uh, with interest uh, as he's been the head coach here. And I I like his um, his nature on the field, on the, on the, on the floor coaching. Um, and from what I hear, he's outstanding in the locker room as well. Um, what's your take? Oh, yeah. I, you know, Jeff's got a good reputation as a good recruiter uh, wherever he's been at Ohio State, at Akron. Uh, he was able to get, uh, I, I remember, a big seven-footer to come to Akron years ago when he was an assistant uh, for Keith Dambrot, who is now at Duquesne in Pittsburgh, I believe. Um, he did very well at Stony Brook. Uh, I think they finished uh, pretty high in the rankings. Geno Ford's the head coach there now. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, it was thought that Jeff and Gino would both come to Ohio, but Gino accepted that position there. But Jeff's Jeff's got his own coaching style, you know. And um, the only thing I would th- that I see just an observation 
is maybe a little bit less refereeing on the sideline and you know, moving ahead to the next play, leave that call behind. I see it's kind of interesting because Jeff's such uh, a big guy, you know, when he does the traveling signal when a ref misses it or something like that. It, it's it's very difficult to miss those yes. revolving hands because Jeff's just – he's a big guy. He's like 6'9", I think. But uh, so far, so good. I mean, the Bobcats are having a terrific year, just a little bit of a stumble last, what, three games, I guess, with the exception of pounding uh, – who did they beat Tuesday night? Um, I can't recall who it was, Central Michigan maybe. It was there. But yeah, I think it was Central. Yeah. But they took out the frustrations on them. But then to go to BG and another clunker, I don't like that, especially with the tournament coming up. But, uh, you know, they'll, well, they'll get a top four seed anyway. Probably, well, it's going to be the three or four now. Um, but anyway, this, I, like, this, I like what I see, what Jeff's doing. Yeah. Well, we've got another um, one or two, one more regular season game. Yes, and then, then the the the, um, the tournament up in Cleveland. Yeah, it begins a week from tomorrow, and the first game will play at eleven a.m. Thursday, a week from tomorrow. So it'll be Thursday the tenth is when the Mac tournament. Are discussing if we can take. Any of those in, so we'll see how that goes. Right now, it's seeming we're not able to, but we're going to review that. Okay, now, Bobcats always have a good following for the tournament. There, a lot of alumni in the sure. Northeast Ohio area, Columbus area that will travel there. Uh, fans from this area, obviously, students from the school here. So, Bobcat fans will be well represented there in Cleveland. They, the guys, the players will know that the fans are there. Put it that way. They will hear them. Of course. <laughs> okay. Now, um, in your, um, as as you do each day when you're winding up your show, you have some devotions. And um, today is Ash Wednesday. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but can you explain that to us? Yeah, um, it, it's officially known as the Day of Ashes. Um, it's a, a Christian holiday, a day of repentance uh, for Christians to confess their sins and prove, uh, profess their devotion to our God. And it also commemorates Jesus fasting. Uh, he retreated to the desert for 40 days. He fasted for 40 days. He suffered temptation by Satan. In all that time let, period. Let, let me make sure I've got the timing right. Um, the 40 days occurred after this date or before this date? After. Okay. Starting today. I see. Ash Wednesday. So. Um, and the, the <clears throat> ash thing. Now, uh, I'm a Presbyterian. I don't think they do this, but there are some churches who will have a service on Ash Wednesday. And they actually put a spot of ash on your forehead, right? It's a cross, yes. A cross, okay. Yes. The smudge of ash is there. Yeah. 
and um, that symbol is it acknowledges sin basically okay it's put there by a priest minister in the shape of a cross and it's just a symbol that acknowledges that that we are what we are we are human fair enough and again it it culminates with easter okay the the 40 the 6 week 40 days it uh, is when christians believe that Christ passed on Good Friday when he was crucified on a cross, but as he said he would do, he resurrected on three days later than that, which would be Sunday, which uh, it's traditionally known as Easter. I call it Resurrection Day. Okay. A lot of uh, clergy will call it the same thing, too. So, uh, yeah, it's it culminates at Easter, Good Friday and then Easter. All right, well, today is Ash Wednesday. It's a time of giving up something during that Lenten period of 40 days. We have some other things to mention. Today is National Read Across America Day, which, as I understand it, has something to do with Dr. Seuss Day. Um... It's World Teen Mental Wellness Day. It's National Old Stuff Day. And it's National Banana Cream Pie Day. Now, last night I was out at the Albany Cafe with our good friends from Fisher Road, Dale and Darla. And uh, they always make great desserts there. And, um, well, everything we like there. But uh, we were taking a dessert home. And they had so, such a long list of different pies and whatnot. I turned to the waitress, who I've gotten to know, because we're there generally once a week, and said, pick your favorite. What do you think she brought me? Well, since... You mentioned banana cream pie. Mm-hmm. And anybody that's listened to my show for any length of time knows I'm not very fond of bananas. <laughs> but let me tell you, it was gone by 10 p.m. <laughs> I, we took it home, and I took a couple bites here and there while watching uh, the, um, the presidential address. And um, all that sort of thing. And it was gone by the end of the evening. And it was good. So I may uh, I may try a few more banana things now. We'll see how it goes. Mm. Maybe you've crossed over. Yeah. Let's uh, do our historical stuff. Um, let's see. The first one to mention for this date of March 2nd. In 1791, long-distance communication speeds up with the unveiling of a semaphore machine in Paris. In 1796, Napoleon Bonaparte is appointed commander-in-chief of the French army 
in Italy. 1807, U.S. Congress bans the slave trade within the U.S. effective January 1st of 19, I'm sorry, 1808. 1888, the Convention of Constantinople signed guaranteeing free maritime passage through the Suez Canal during war and peace. 1946, Ho Chi Minh, elected president of North Vietnam. 1956, Morocco tears up the Treaty of Fez, declaring independence from France. 1970, a white government of Rhodesia declares itself a republic. And the last one here, in 2002, the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan. U.S. conventional forces first developed as part of the Operation Anaconda. Okay. Famous birthdays. Dr. Seuss. He was born in 1904, the same year my dad was. Died in 1991. And um, I think that was a couple years before my dad passed. Theodore uh, Seuss. Guy, so were you going to go on? Yeah, sure. I mean, you, okay. you, you always was, helped me out. He was an American children's author, political cartoonist. Illustrator, poet, animator, and filmmaker, he is known for his work writing and illustrating more than 60 books under the pen name Dr. Seuss. And, and who hasn't read The Cat in the Hat? Right. Or Green Eggs and Ham. Absolutely. If not for ourselves, for our children or grandchildren. The next one I have to mention is that of Desi Arnaz. Desi was born on this date in 1917. He died in 1986. Desiderio Alberto Arnaz de Acha III, wow. better known as Desi Arnaz, was a Cuban-American actor, band leader, and film and television producer, he played Ricky Ricardo on the American television sitcom I Love Lucy, in which he co-starred with his then-wife, Lucille Ball. I, um, once in a while I get to mention I rub shoulders with him. Uh, had a musical situation that I did, I think, a week's worth with him. Okay, next... We have Mikhail Gorbachev. He's still alive. Today would be his birthday, his 91st birthday. And um, he is a Russian and former Soviet politician, the eighth and final leader of the Soviet Union. He was the general secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union from 1985 until 1991. 
And the last one we have to mention in terms of birthdays, Chris Martin. And he's celebrating his 45th birthday today. And um, he looks familiar, but I, I can't place why I might know him. He is an English singer, Christopher Anthony John Martin, songwriter, musician best known as the lead vocalist, pianist, and co-founder of the rock band Coldplay, oh. which uh, they have some great tunes, with whom he has won several accolades, including seven Grammy Awards and nine Brit Awards. Two okay. deaths to mention today. Let's see, I'll do the oldest first. John Wesley. John Wesley was born in 1703, but died on this date in 1791. John Wesley was an English cleric, theologian, and evangelist who was a leader of a revival movement within the Church of England known as Methodism, Methodism, whichever way you want. The societies he founded became the dominant form of the independent Methodist movement that continues to this day. And the last is Howard Carter. He was born in 1873, died in 1939. Howard Carter. He, Howard Carter, was a British archaeologist and Egyptologist who discovered the intact tomb of the 18th dynasty pharaoh Tutankhamun, King Tut, in November of 1922, the best preserved pharaonic tomb ever found in the Valley of the Kings. Um, oh, I just see a little blurb here. It's worth mentioning. The motion picture Titanic. It broke all kinds of records after its release. We're talking about back in 1997. But the acclaim that it received failed to be reflected on the cast at any Academy Award presentation. Interesting. Okay, well, we'll put this stack aside. Um... We did this, right? Yes. Um, needless to say, um, you know, it, <coughs> how do you, how do I want to phrase this? Each year, there is a State of the Union address, typically. Um, it generally reflects a year after a president has been in office. Joe Biden was elected a year ago. This was his first State of the Union address. Um, sometimes people rather watch something else. <laughs> and sometimes they are interested. 
Last night I was interested. Um, so, um, my impression was he did a good job. Now, am I a big Biden fan? Am I a Trump fan? Am I any of that stuff? Uh, the answer is no. Uh, I think I am troubled, and I've mentioned this, about some of former President Trump's behavior. But um, as far as who was might be a better better ideas and things like that. I, I don't know. But I've heard certainly a lot of people critical of Biden. But I thought he did a good job last night. Did you watch it? I watched excerpts of it. Okay. And I guess it depends on who you talk to, whether you thought he did a good job or not. But I kind of wanted to hear more solutions, more remedies, more plans, more resolve. As I look across the street at a high gas price, and probably going to go higher. Well, he did um, address those things. Yeah, that's all he did, though. He addressed them. There was no solution. I, as just an observer, uh, I know what he said was, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Then what? Okay. He says it's going to be a priority. That Okay, good. Tell us how. But I, I just, you know, as an observer, neither, I don't care who the president is. Doesn't matter. I just want things good for the country as we face inflation, higher gas prices, food prices, and... People are suffering, especially lower-income families who once again have to choose between food, heating their homes, gas. Um, You know, it's just unfortunate where it's going, and it's a little troubling that we import Russian oil here to this country, too, according to Forbes magazine. I was reading an article last night. Do we import? And the answer is yes. So, I don't know. A lot of these, I guess the older I get and I hear these speeches year after year, I don't know what kind of effect it has about any more than just like a political rally, um, you know, stand up, applaud, sounds good, you know, let's go on. But I like to hear things that are going to help our country as an American citizen. I don't care who the president is. Okay. I wish you'd heard the full thing. Well, Um, the the thing, let's let's talk about the Ukraine. Okay. Um, That that part of the um, thing last night, and it could not be ignored, of course, I thought was done exceptionally well. Um, He had the Ukrainian ambassador there. 
as a guest. Um, the entire assembly was very uh, loud and clapping and and you know concerned about the Ukraine and what uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin um, is attempting to do there. And in his remarks, Biden condemned the Russian president. He went on to say, Moscow has no idea what was coming. That's a threat. And I believe um, there's truth behind it. He went on to say, six days ago, Russians Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. That's a quote from last night's speech. Going on, he thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. Um, I don't really understand the Russian plane thing, but uh, he did in the his speech last night, say Russian planes are no longer allowed in U.S. airspace Um, until, I guess, we next year that they are. Uh, Regarding inflation, so, you know, there's this real concern about the Ukraine, and that continues, I think, to be number one. But um, he also talked about ways to punish Russia. And it involves with dollars and cents and marketing and buying of goods and all sorts of things. It's complicated, but it's doable. Um, not directly related to Russia, but he also talked about Columbus, Ohio. Uh, in, in case you missed it, there was this announcement. Oh, I suppose it's been uh, it's been in the works for about eight months, but I think they actually announced it three months ago. There is going to be this huge huge plant built. And it is a combination of um, not just several, but a number of different electronic chip manufacturers. Because right now, if something goes wrong with an electronic chip, We are reliant on primarily purchasing it from China. 
This is a huge, huge effort to change that. And we have so many things that are, you know, I look in our studio. Everything here is chips. Um, just the clock on the wall is a chip. I mean, controlling it. You know what I mean? Um, our telephones. I just, everything as I turn around and looking, all these computers. All these uh, music player machines, whether they're compact disc or turntables even, have chips. If we can be able to, to make these chips, look at automobiles. They, they're going, you know, there's a movement to go to primarily electric-powered, right? Those chips. If something goes wrong, you have to get that chip from some plant in China to make it run right again. Um, anyway, this, this is a big deal. Inflation. He talked about several ways to deal with that, including supporting families that are hurt by it on a temporary basis until inflation gets reworked and reorganized and lessened. Here's another quote. Too many families are struggling to keep up with the bills. Inflation is robbing them of the gains they might otherwise feel. I get it. That's why my top priority is getting prices under control. That's a quote. As he was leaving after the speech... Um, he was quoted as saying, Tonight I can say we're moving forward safely back to normal routines. Uh, he spent some time talking about COVID. And, um, you know, it has had a... It has had an effect on all of us. And not really a good effect. I'm not, I'm not talking about those who became ill, but just the mental... Um, the lack of... Um, you know, some people are more diligent about removing them from themselves from public life because they were scared of it, of catching COVID. Uh, I have several family members who took that approach. I've seen um, one of them 
once in the last two years. Uh, I have other family members who would have come back for this and that event here in Athens that haven't for several years. Um, other families, you might say, have been careless. But the point is, this thing is coming under control. The numbers, I didn't bring in today's report, but I did, I did make note of it yesterday. And uh, things are improving significantly. I believe the mask mandate for the state of Ohio expired at midnight last night. That doesn't say you can't wear them if you feel more comfortable doing so until this is still, uh, the numbers are still in better condition than they are right now, which is pretty good. Wear them. But to be required to wear them, that, that I believe has stopped in our state at least as of midnight last night. Another point in the um, remarks, you know, I have a caller waiting, and I've made him wait far too long. Let me bring him on board for a moment. Good morning. Good morning, David. Yes, uh, sir. You were visiting the concept of the chips and, of course, uh, factory coming into Columbus. Well, now, now let me just tell you one thing here. Our, our, audi our audience, this part you know. Folks, we're talking to, uh, to um, Dave Russell. Dave repairs televisions and all sorts of electronic devices. Uh, Russell's uh, TV Supply, I think, is the name of the company. Yeah, I'd, and I'd worked 20 years in the, the major computer industry um, you, you prior bet. to purchasing this business. And the, the true fearsome reality of the, the ICs that are the chips that are being manufactured uh, on foreign soil is that they're not dumb chips anymore. They're very intelligent chips. They're yes. pre-programmed. They can also have, quote-unquote, viruses or controlled circumstances installed in the chips. That, And I don't, I'm not a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but the true reality of it is that the, the electronic age can hurt us as much as it helps us if we do not keep a control on the security of these, yes. um, whether that be your cars, your refrigerators, the, the, the electronics that controls our water systems, our, our grid, our electronic grid, our electric grid, uh, our Wi-Fi's, et cetera. Um, this, is a, this is a true reality that we have to actually address. And I know they, they understand that, but the average citizen really doesn't understand these are not uh, just innate chips. These things are um, very intelligent ICs anymore. Yes. Most of them are pre-programmed and have contained circumstances internally that if this occurs, do this, or et cetera. And it's very easy for those to be um, to, to those to be manipulated. Just a little thought. You're you're absolutely right, and I get it. And but to bring the security more 
at home. Yep, that's what we need. Is um, is certainly a major step forward. It is. Alrighty. Have a good one. Thanks, Dave. Yep. Um, yeah, I appreciate the call. Okay, fighting crime. That was another topic that was significantly uh, covered. Um, you know, there's rising gun violence. Um, there are some rather odd, re- uh, what would you call it, um, theories that funding for the police should be cut back. That makes no sense to me. Um, anyway, uh, this, this whole thing of increased training for our law enforcement officials. Because they're being confronted with some situations now that they've not been confronted with before. So how do you deal with this, or how do you deal with that? The expenditure for more body cams, uh, in in all of that sort of thing. I, I agree with this. Um, golly. As I said, you may disagree, but I thought the State of the Union address was well done last night. But the big thing, of course, remains Putin, the Ukraine. Russia did intensify its shelling of major Ukrainian cities yesterday as its invasion of its western neighbor stretched into day six after attempts to swiftly overrun Ukrainian forces faltered. Officials worry Russia may pivot to brute force approach like to increase civilian casualties. I think I heard this morning that there were 126 civilian deaths now, something like that, 14 of which were children. Um, Yesterday it was um, Kharkiv, I think, is how it's pronounced. It's Ukrainian's second largest city. It was that city that took the brunt of the attack yesterday. They go on to say at least 10 people were killed as missiles struck the city's central Freedom Square. Um, the city, along with Kyrgyzstan and Marzhipol, in the south has been encircled by Russian troops. 
We also heard yesterday about this 40-mile-long, what would you call it, convoy, I guess. We've seen aerial photographs of it, and it's like these vehicles are all military-grade vehicles. Some have weapons on them. Some have guns on them. You know, of course, the people driving them have guns. This 40-mile thing is bumper to bumper 40 miles long. That's like from here to Columbus, right? Or nearly. And um, in two rows of them. Side by side. Two lanes, I should say. Um... What's, what's going to happen when they get somewhere? And where is somewhere? Here's a story I hadn't heard about, but Felicity Ace sinks. Now, this is a large cargo ship that was carrying 4,000 Volkswagen luxury cars. It sank in the Atlantic Ocean yesterday after, after catching fire last month. It went, up, it went down about 220 miles from Portugal's Azores Islands. A salvage crew had begun to tow the damaged ship to land when rough waters caused it to tilt and sink. And I understand that most of these 4,000 Volkswagen luxury cars, as they put it, were of electric nature. Once again, those chips and everything. A lot of wildfires down in Argentina. Um, So... Uh, Major League Baseball, they're still negotiating these contracts with the Players Union. I don't know what to make out of that. Well, it's not going anywhere real quick. They've canceled the first two series of the season already. But aren't those guys making enough? A lot of them are, yep. But one of the sticking points is better salaries for the younger players too so better pool money as they say too and now you know a there, there is one points. sort of argument that is <clears throat> that the number of years they can be exceptional players are their younger years as an adult so you know what's it like in living their lives afterwards so, you know, you hear about these extraordinary pays. But a lot of that's going to be consumed as they're older. But <clears throat> it's still a pretty glitzy business. Glitzy? I think that's all right. Glitzy? That's what I said. It can be, yep. 
Money talks. Well, um, we had this report about America's happiest cities. I only have about two minutes remaining, but I'll at least tell you a few. Um, so they did a hundred and what was a hundred eighty-two cities, hundred thirty-two. Let me see where the count is. Hundred and. 182 cities in the United States. And this is happiness. Now, how do you, how do you define, define happiness? They, they looked at three things. Emotional and physical well-being, income and employment, and community and environment. Okay? So... A hundred and, what did I say, 32? I don't know what it is. But um, when does Ohio first show up? <laughs> okay, let me find my notes here. Oh, dear. I thought it was higher than this. Maybe it's the other one that I highlighted. Okay, let's look at this one instead. No, that's a whole different report. Okay, maybe I'm not going to get to this today. I tried. Um, but it's not going well here. Anyway, what, what's the number one city in the nation? Fremont, California. Who's dead last? Detroit. Well, I finally In our 72nd year of serving we'll Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Vicki Barker at the Foreign Desk in London. Clearing up debris in Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, after another night of shelling that took out the main TV tower in the second city, Kharkiv, overnight. I thought that we were living in hell. This woman survived a night of deadly attacks there. There were bombs everywhere from the air, mostly, and a lot of civilians were attacked, and a lot of homes were destroyed. The government says more than 2,000 civilians have now died in the Russian assault, though that number couldn't be independently verified. In other Ukrainian cities, an uneasy calm, as Phil Itner reports. The situation here in Lviv is uh, relatively calm, uh, but there are measures being taken. There is a curfew from 10 until 6 every day, uh, and the sale of alcohol is being strictly prohibited. The U.N. believes more than 800,000 people have now fled Ukraine. CBS's Steve Futterman has watched some of them cross the Polish border. We have buses that will come up here, and they're transporting groups of people from individual countries. 